home! That's your home! Are you too good for your home? Answer me! Suck my white ass ball! You ain't cool unless you pee your pants! This is not my name. Who tells you this is my name? She can say butthole if she wants to. I am the smartest man alive! What is with the world? just makes me so sad and gay. Hey, you're listening to Sandler's List. I'm Hunter Baldwin, and with me is Ibrahim Flynn. What's, hey, Ibrahim, how's it going today? What's cracking? What is up? So this week, uh, as you know, we've been going through all of Adam Sandler's movies. We're in week two with 1994's Airheads. Uh, it's directed by Michael Lehman, uh, the guy that directed Heather's, uh, which, you know, was a good sign. I was kind of yeah. like, all right, this uh, this might be legit. I didn't know that. That's Heather's is dope. Yeah, Heather's is, is a good movie. And you know what? After watching this movie, uh, this one is good, too. Had you ever seen this one before? I think we talked about that last time. Yeah, no, I haven't seen it before. This is my first time. I had seen it before when I was a kid. I think I saw it on TV. Um, you know, it was, it was along the same lines as Wayne's World. And and uh, it just kind of had that early 90s vibe that a lot of movies had back then. Yeah, in the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Yeah. But uh, I didn't put that together. Thanks. Thanks for that. Um, so, yeah, this movie. So, personally, I was, uh, I'm a big fan. I thought that this movie was legit. Um, I laughed you know, pretty much throughout, but it has a 21% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, it didn't even make back half of its budget, uh, in theaters. So apparently I'm in the minority here thinking that this is a pretty good movie. Bit of a cult classic. And, and I think that it is. Yeah, yeah. I think that it is a cult classic. I, I thought so, it was decent. It was definitely better than the last movie we watched. Which yeah, I would like, say so far. It seems like a bad <laughs> dream now. Like, when I remember that movie, I'm like, what the fuck was that? So far, out of all of them that we've done, Airheads is the best, the quintessential Adam Sandler yeah. movie. Amazing right now. Uh, and it's, I, uh, it's it up there with Casablanca. It was. It was good. It's not, not even just comparing it to Going Overboard. It's legitimately an okay movie. Definitely. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Thanks for that. Professional over here. I really like it. uh, We got the professional sound quality, professional sound effects. Yeah, we know what we're doing. Absolutely. So, yeah, this was was still pretty early in Sandler's career. A lot of people, uh, you know, say that this was his first starring role. As you and I both know, it was not. Obviously, Going Overboard was his first starring role. But a lot of people say it was his first starring role. It was just in the middle of his uh, SNL run. So he was getting pretty popular with Opera Man and... I think we went through some of his other big characters last time uh, that we were talking. Uh, canteen Boy. Those are the only two I can think of. <laughs> you um, like the Canteen Boy. <laughs> I do. Canteen Boy is <laughs> solid. Uh, and we'll talk about him a lot you know, in, in future episodes. So I'm, I'm really excited about it. But, uh, but this one's interesting because it's not really an Adam Sandler movie. I, I, what I, the big thing that I noticed was he's kind of the straight man to Brendan Fraser and uh, Steve Buscemi's kind of craziness. Sort of, yeah. I mean, he's he's a real big idiot in this movie. Yeah, that's I mean, his thing. 
they they tend to give him uh, give him a hard time. He plays uh, Pip the drummer, uh, and so yeah, he just kind of gets uh, gets dumped on throughout the whole thing. They all all think he's an idiot, and they make fun of him, and they get his credit card stolen somehow in a scene that I still don't quite understand. Oh yeah, I don't yeah I don't know what was up with that. <laughs> so just to kind of for anybody that that hasn't seen Airheads, and if you haven't, I recommend going to see it, even though it's. Uh, Difficult to find. I think the easiest way to watch it is in a tiny little thumbnail view on YouTube. Actually, uh, I Googled it. I just like Googled Airheads full movie. And the first one came up and it was actually a like really decent stream. It was like HD. It was on a weird website, but don't don't click the fucking pop ups. You know the deal. It's twenty eighteen. Um <laughs> You should uh, <laughs> call out that website. Just like we were talking about two B T V last time. We need to get those sponsors, man. I think it was like movie for you with a four or something <laughs> like that. I'm not sure. That sounds like a legit website. I like that. It so yeah, worked. so if you haven't seen it, <laughs> if you haven't seen it, I do recommend watching it. Uh, but so there is a scene there where uh, Steve Buscemi and uh, Brendan Fraser take Adam Sandler's uh, credit card, put it into a key card slot at a radio station and enter his pin thinking that it's going to unlock the door to the radio station. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I, wasn't, I, I had no idea that's how key cards worked. It was just like, I'll just pay it to let me in. Yeah, I thought I missed something because of like how confident they were in that working. I was like... No, oh. it was... Yeah, I I rewind. I I, I hit rewind. I was like, I was it an ATM? Nope, it was the key card slot at the radio station. So, so let's go back a little bit. So this movie is about uh, a band. Uh, so they are, you know, Brendan Fraser, Steve Buscemi, and Adam Sandler. Uh, called the Lone Rangers. Uh, they call that a three-piece, right? That that is a three-piece. Music yeah. guys, that's what music guys calls it. Yeah, the, those in the industry, they say that that's a that's a three-piece. Okay. Uh, so that, I think they don't even call them bands. They just say, "Hey, check out that three-piece over there." Oh yeah. Not talking about that. It. Not talking about that chick on the beach over there. No, no, I'm talking about that that sweet rock three piece. Uh, but so they're, they're they're a band. They're trying to uh, to make it big as as one does uh, in the '90s, and uh, and so they're trying to get the attention of studio you know representatives, uh, big record labels, uh, and the radio station. So they have a big plan to get on the radio station. Uh, by breaking in and and forcing them to to play their demo, um, so yeah, Brendan Fraser in the beginning it starts out he's driving his cool ass motorcycle around L.A. and then the one that has a uh, fag spray painted on the fender, yeah, that one, that's it, that one, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> that cool. motorcycle, that's a, that's a very important motorcycle. <laughs> I I actually fender. spray painted that on there. <laughs> That's awesome. When you were what, uh, two years old when this came out, or something around there? Yeah, when it was my motorcycle, I wanted yeah, everyone awesome. to know how much of a bag yeah. I was. <laughs> <laughs> you did a good job. Everybody knows now. That's yeah. Right. Um, so, <laughs> so he sneaks into this uh, record executive office or whatever. I don't know. Record labels aren't even like real anymore. Uh, he, like, yeah, it was sneaked. weird. It was like, like I was thinking, like, is this a thing where where people really like we got to get into the record label? That's what's most important right yeah. now. I guess in the '90s that was how it was. Yeah, yeah I guess. Um, so yeah, he sneaks in um, there. I want to point out a part. Uh, there's like a an agent guy 
um, prepping up his uh, the group he's managing um, to go into like a, a big meeting and the guys are like it's like this like four or five dudes in denim vests and uh, Dr. Seuss hats and <laughs> yeah. I guess they're a, a music Some group. Some were taller than others. Yeah. They, had, they had varying length in their Dr. Seuss hats, their cat in the hat hats. And um, at one point he says, if you guys got to wet yourself in there, wet yourself. Uh, anarchy is cool or something like that. <laughs> that's um, amazing. And then that's, he's... That, when I think of anarchy, that's usually what I think. All those kids wetting themselves. Yeah, those top. guys in Dr. Seuss hats. And um, he says, you guys better uh, get this deal. Um, I dropped a lot of money on the hats. And they're just Dr. Seuss hats. But I guess they really set him back. They were custom made. I mean, like I mentioned, they were varying lengths. Some were taller than others. (laughs) They didn't look that nice either. It looked like the fucking... Felt was expensive in the 90s. You don't understand. It looked like your aunt made those for your Halloween costume or something. Um, and the the kids in this band were, you know, probably what, fourteen, fifteen. Yeah, not so, very old. Yeah, they they were they were young kids, so you know it wouldn't be that that far fetched that their aunt made their hats, but apparently their agent bought them. Yeah, for a lot of money, <laughs> big bucks. <laughs> a lot of money. Uh, and and that's at the end of the day, that's what rock and roll is all about. It's yeah, about the big bucks. Dropping the cash, getting signed, getting laid. That's what Absolutely. that's what it's all about. Um, Which is uh, it's what the Lone Rangers, uh, Adam Sandler's band. That's what that's what they're after. They're about the cash. They're about getting laid. Yeah. Um. So, so yeah. Uh, what happens? Brendan Fraser is sneaking in the office, and he goes up to the big uh, record executive. Thanks. He he goes up to him and is like, "Yo, check out my demo." And like, they really like hammer home the point that this guy is saying it's unsolicited. And like he's like, which I didn't get. Yeah, I don't know. I I don't really know what that means. It, it was uh, it was Breakfast Club guy. Breakfast Club guy keeps saying I can't have unsolicited music, yeah. uh, and that's why they kicked they kicked Brendan Fraser out. I didn't. Uh, what does that mean? Did you I, look this up? This I'm year? not sure. I think he was just saying it like, like he didn't want to listen to it and just sort of like did like an it's policy thing. I can't. And so you didn't have to listen to it. That's the vibe I got from it. And then Brendan Fraser like really locked onto the word like unsolicited in the movie. Like there's a couple <laughs> more times. I did too. He he like said it. Um like I think that was the first time Brendan Fraser heard that word and then he was like, Oh, I wanna be in the music industry. I have to say this word a lot. Yeah. It's time time for me to get solicited. <laughs> So are you implying that Brendan Fraser had never heard that word in real life or as his character in Airheads? Uh, as his character. I don't remember anyone's name in this whole movie, so I'll just refer to them by their actors. Right. We've got Brendan Fraser, Steve Buscemi. Uh, we've got Adam Sandler, of course, the, the main, the most important guy, Pip the drummer. He's the one one name that I remember. Uh, the, the record executive, of course, played by The, the Breakfast Club. Uh, and then we've got uh, one of the Ghostbusters as the main cop, uh, the black ghost, Ghostbuster. Okay. He's the the cop that is uh, negotiating with them. Uh, That's did you not his know this? Did too? You... Yeah, his name is the black Ghostbuster. <laughs> okay. <Yeah. laughs> and, uh, well, let's see. Who else do we got? Of course, Chris Farley yeah. as, uh, as one of the other cops. Um, the, the guy from Better Kramer? Call Saul. 
Wait, yeah, Better Call Saul's brother. Yeah, Kramer's in it. Kramer's in it with a mustache. He's I, the one climbing around through the vents. That was Kramer. What the fuck? I, yeah, I, he's I'm got a mustache honest, so you can't recognize him. I was uh, gaming for a lot of while I was watching this. Nah, of and course. So a couple of course. things uh, missed me here and there. I didn't know that Kramer, was Kramer is one of the, the more important plot points, and you seem to have missed you know a good third of the movie <laughs> i i saw him like every once in a while crawling around i didn't know who he was you before like, that okay this guy with this weird hairdo is just kind of climbing around through the vents seems normal <laughs> back to my video game doesn't seem oh, like kramer at all i was playing uh monster hunter world all right all right cool some monsters uh, making some weapons. i saw some reviews on that seems cool seems cool seems like it's for nerds yeah it but, is uh yeah, well, I was over here watching Kramer crawl around through the vents. Uh, he he does some very Kramer things. So after after the Lone Rangers go into the radio, uh, the the radio station, and you know, the spoiler alert, I guess they they hold everybody hostage. Uh, Kramer then escapes. He's crim- climbing around through the vents, uh, to, trying to get to a phone, and he does a lot of very Kramer things. He falls through the ceiling at one point. Um, he is randomly eating Funyuns while knocking things <laughs> off of a desk. Um, you can always catch me eating Funyuns and knocking <laughs> shit off desks. <laughs> you have a you have a very Kramer esque vibe. A lot of the things you say are a lot of similar things to no, what Kramer says. No. In the <laughs> nope. <laughs> so uh, so yeah, Kramer Kramer, another one of my favorite comedians up there with uh, Woody Allen, Bill Cosby. So we're the the list is growing. Yeah, Louis C.K. <laughs> <laughs> we love Louis C.K. He's great, great guy. Um, but yeah, so so Kramer's uh, Kramer with a mustache crawling around through the vents. Um, and you know, I say he was a big plot point, but really, he the only thing that he really does is convince everyone that the guns that the Lone Rangers are using are real. Uh, yeah. Because so as as you and I both know, as people who just watched the movie. The, the guns that the Lone Rangers have are toys from Steve Buscemi's toy store that he works at. He had, uh, they had discontinued them because the, uh, the water guns were too realistic, uh, so they got discontinued. So he took them home, and uh, they decided to put them in the bag just in case anything went wrong when they went into the radio station. Yeah. Uh, and so then at one point, one of the hostages realizes that they're just squirt guns. Uh, so the cops are going to come in and, of course, arrest the the lone gunman or the uh, the lone ranger sorry uh and that's when kramer accidentally uh unloads his gun that he's carrying around through the vents it's an uzi that he's carrying around that he's going to use to kill the, the lone ranger if you missed this this is a really good I, 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 I know i saw that part yeah um <laughs> yeah, kramer kramer's uh goal from the police was to assassinate the uh the the terrorists so he accidentally, of course, discharges the gun in the vent, shoots through the windows, and everybody says, "Oh, the guns are real," uh, and the police, the police all back up. So, uh, so that's pretty much his big plot point. And you know what? I don't remember if we see him again in the rest of the movie. Well, uh, I don't, no, I don't think so, because that's that's a little <laughs> towards the end. We did we did skip a lot uh, to get there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll we'll go back. I'm just I'm just okay. going through. This is just the yeah. Kramer part of it. We're just gonna yeah. cover each and every. We know what people are here for. We're <laughs> we're getting to the Kramer part. If you guys want to know what Kramer did, but you don't want to hear the Adam Sandler shit, there you go. You guys are good. Yep. So you can tune out now. Uh, thanks for joining us. That was uh, that was a good one on the Kramer the Kramer minute. Yep. Right here on Sandler's list.
See you guys if there's so, yeah. ever another one in these movies. I'm trying to think if there's another Kramer minute. Uh, you know that uh, I don't know. He got real busy with Seinfeld after that, and uh, I don't think we ever saw him again. And then after that, people didn't want then to put him in stuff got... for some reason. <laughs> no, the only person that would put him in anything was uh, Jerry Seinfeld at that point. B movie. Looking out for his boy, as he should, as he should. So of course, yeah. So we've got a uh, we've got Kramer. We've got uh, the the Black Ghostbuster. We've got Breakfast Club. Uh, we've got uh, of course the cameo. From Grandma's Boy. This oh, could. Shit. I missed that one too. Oh man, it was <laughs> solid. So, so uh, he he plays one of the other cops with Chris Farley. Uh, he's only in two scenes. Uh, one of them with Adam Sandler, uh, and the other one is just him kind of hanging out with Chris Farley. Um, but so far, this could easily be a Grandma's Boy podcast because he's uh, two for two. <laughs> well, this yeah, point. this this isn't the last time we've seen. Oh him. no. Oh no! And eventually, we're gonna have to learn his name, uh, yeah. but but not th- not this episode. I will so look if it anybody up was someday. hoping. What? You, well, I think that we have looked it up before. <laughs> we and have. just immediately uh, forgot what his yeah. name was. So, Grandma's boy—that's easy enough. Everybody knows who we're talking about when we say Grandma's boy. Uh, you know, he's a famous famous guy. Not even the um, main guy in Grandma's boy, but. <laughs> Yeah, he's one of one of the main guys in Grandma. <laughs> uh, I don't I don't think that the the record executive was the main guy in Breakfast Club either. But you know who I'm talking about when I say Breakfast Club guy, yeah. not Anthony C. Hall, the other one. Right. Um. um so yeah, Brendan Fraser is the main guy in this movie. Um, right, which is weird for for a Sandler's List movie. It's kind of weird that we we have a movie that's really starring Brendan Fraser. And yeah. arguably even Steve Buscemi a little bit more than Adam Sandler, but but I do right. think it was important for Adam yeah. Sandler's career. Yeah, I'm not mad that I saw this, and I'm, I'm all right with talking about it. Um, but yeah, so Brendan Fraser, um, he is kind of a deadbeat. He's just trying to get signed the whole time, but he's not really doing shit. Uh, and he has a hot. He's breaking into uh, studio, the record labels. What are you talking about? He's not doing anything. Oh yeah, I forgot. Sorry. Yeah, so, his yeah. his you know his his deadbeat girlfriend doesn't think he's doing anything, but that's, that's a lot true. of work. She doesn't records, understand. She doesn't, she doesn't understand get it. rock and roll. No, she's she's a poser. But yeah, so Brendan Fraser has a hot uh, metal girlfriend, rocker chick type. She um, is pretty hot. Yeah, I can get behind that. Yeah, a lot of hot rocker chicks in this movie. So if you like hot rocker chicks, maybe check this out. This is a good one. It's very nineties. All of them wearing leather jackets. It's awesome poofy hair all that um so poofy and they're really they're they're actually attractive this time you know we talk about all the babes that were in going overboard right. uh they were all pretty questionable but the uh ooh, the women of airheads it should yeah. be a calendar yeah oh, and man. that's the next podcast we're doing the women of airheads <laughs> we'll go through each one of them ranked um <laughs> so yeah she is kind of done with uh brendan fraser's shit um not really bringing anything to the table um so she breaks up with him and that's kind of the push that uh brendan fraser uh needed to really start taking things seriously and going for it uh with his band and that's by taking things seriously you mean breaking into the radio station yeah that's just all of his plans involve breaking into things (laughs) that's all he knows how to do um (laughs) is just force people to do shit he doesn't know how to get by on his own merits um 
He just has to make people like him, I guess. He's a career criminal at this point. Yeah. Um, but but he, he's, he's a likable criminal. I, I liked Brendan Fraser throughout this movie. Yeah. I, I didn't think he did anything that I didn't like. I'm not a Brendan Fraser guy, uh, but I did like him in this movie. What about George of the Jungle? Uh, no, I liked it as a kid, but I don't know. Something, even, uh, even though I liked that movie as a kid, I never really liked Brendan Fraser. Just something about him. Uh, You're like, I love this movie. George, not so great, but the rest of the movie. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't love it, but I, I liked it. Just something about him was weird. He's like an extremely, extremely white and like bland person. I feel like. He's maybe the most bland person. You can kind of plug him in anywhere, right. and he will fit, but he won't stand out. Like, even in The Mummy, where he is the action hero, I think a lot of people probably look back at The Mummy, and they're like, yeah, the guy from The Mummy, he could have been anybody. Yeah. But I get that. But um, at the same time, I love him. I think he's great. I liked him in this. This is probably the most personality I've seen from him. It still wasn't a lot, but it was Yeah, he yells things like, rock and roll! <laughs> Yeah, he's a rocker. Cool. He's a true rocker. Um Yeah, so that's the that's what he needs to get him going is his girlfriend tells him uh she's done with him. And that's why I started doing this podcast is because my girlfriend was done with me, so I kinda And you're gonna win her back. Yeah, I'm gonna win her back with a podcast about Adam <laughs> So that's I really relate to Brendan Fraser in this movie. It's it's a very relatable position to be in. We're we're gonna get her back for you. Trust me. Yeah. Uh, we we've got. <laughs> so yeah. So so it it is really it is Brendan Fraser's story. Uh, but but we do have Adam Sandler, the uh, the drummer Pip. Uh, and and honestly, my favorite character. Um, he's he's very dumb. Uh, he's not not a bright guy. And I was actually reading a an article uh, that, you know, Adam Sandler talked a little bit about his role and he was in a band in high school uh, and their drummer actually was pretty dumb. He would say, hey, let's play this Van Halen song, you know, one, two, three, and then the drummer would stop and say, wait, what song are we playing? <laughs> so that's kind of what he based this role on is his idiot friend from high school. Nice. I yeah, know. I thought that was pretty cool. I didn't know Adam Not Sandler for was, friend, a, was a rocker back in the day like this. Of course, of course. Have you never heard Hanukkah song? Yeah, but that's not rocker. That is as rock as it gets. I love that song. There's only I only like two two bands. I like Tenacious D, and I like oh, Adam Sandler. And you like Weird Al? Don't forget that. I I do like Weird Al. All right, so I like three bands, and I, I exclusively like comedy music. Uh, but so yeah, Pip is the drummer, uh, and he's uh he's a doofus, man. He's he's great at the in the one of the first scenes. They they all decide they're gonna live at their practice space. Uh, and, uh, you know, Steve Buscemi's got all of his toys from his toy store job. One of them's a crash test dummy, uh, which was one of my favorite toys as a kid. I loved the crash test dummy. You could throw it at things that blew up into little pieces and you just Velcroed it back together. Uh, but, but he uses it for a different purpose. He uses it to 69 with a, uh, a pig, a pig doll, which was amusing. <laughs> and so uh, there was a lot of, there was a lot of great Adam Sandler moments in this movie. And he's just such a likable guy. I feel like that's the big thing that he's missing in so many of his movies. He's just not overly likable. But I liked Pip. I don't yeah. know. I don't know how you felt about him. I liked Pip. He was he was fun. Uh, he wasn't extremely annoying. Uh, a lot of this movie uh, didn't really have a lot of the like Sandlerisms that like have gotten 
really annoying at this point. Uh, I didn't have too much of that stuff. Um, it wasn't really a character type role for him. Um, he kind of was, I don't know, just being more normal in this, I guess. Yeah, more normal, but for like an idiot that has no idea what's going on. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really like that. I thought I think that whenever Adam Sandler gets out of his comfort zone, that's when he's the best. Um, and so we'll figure that out. I mean, I know that you were talking about how in Going Overboard, you could kind of see the, the beginnings of who he would become. And in this movie, he kind of st- takes a step back, which which I really liked. Um, though, and one of the one of the scenes that I think really stands out is uh, Steve Buscemi's character. And and by the way. This is the first time that Steve Buscemi and Adam Sandler were ever in a movie together. So this is the kind of the blossoming of a nice. great friendship. Uh, but so there's a scene with the two of them and, uh, and Steve is kind of showing him like, here's how you be intimidating with a gun. You can't become friends with the hostages because that's what he had been doing. You know, he's he's super nice. He's just kind of dumb. He just wants everybody to like him. And so all the all the Especially hostages are, black are real. People. Oh, he, he loves black people. <laughs> he really wants black. black people to like him. <laughs> he doesn't he understand spends, why they he don't. He spends a lot of this movie trying to get black people to like him. He he lets the black hostages go because you know they'll like him more. So and uh, and I can relate to that. I completely understand. I am also not liked by the black community, and I want <laughs> them to accept me. I listen to a lot of hip hop, and uh, and so I get it. That's I really a good understand what step. they're going through. Yeah, so so Steve is is explaining to him how he needs to stop trying to be friends with all of the hostages. He needs to uh, to be a lot more aggressive, and and that's uh, that was one of my favorite moments of the movie when he's holding out the gun and he's telling him to you know yeah yeah get get, get down on the floor and uh, and you know just uh, don't please. move and get over there. Yeah, please please, please get on the you. floor. And then uh, then he finally gets it, and uh, he says. Uh, uh, um, this is a, a quote from the movie. I wrote this one down. I'm gonna stab your head off with with my dick, and, uh, yep. and I really enjoyed that one. That was uh, that was pretty solid. So, um, <laughs> and uh, so while this movie is definitely dumb, it's definitely you know it's it's not the uh, uh, it's not the classiest movie. It still has a lot of moments where I I can get behind it. You know, I think that there was a lot of really good stuff from. Uh, um, from from Steve Buscemi, who I don't always find to be particularly funny, but uh, but in this one I I enjoyed him. He is very aggra- very aggro. Oh yeah, I yeah I liked him in this. I like him in a lot of stuff. I'm never like bummed out seeing him. Usually he's not like too funny though. No, I I think he's good. I think he's good. I just don't think he's like overly funny. Like you know you have like Boardwalk Empire. He's not funny at all in that, but he's solid. He's he's really good. Um, if you haven't seen that, I I think that's a that's a good one. He plays like a a crime boss, which he's got the look. He's got the look for a crime boss. But in this movie, he had the look for a rock star. I thought I thought he looked like he could be in Motorhead. Yeah, um, he's got. You can really make him look like anybody. He <laughs> <laughs> just put a long wig on him, and boom, he's a rock star. Yeah, I. Well, all right. <laughs> <laughs> He had a uh, a Thor tattoo, or at least I think that was him. It was either him or Brendan Fraser that had a sweet Thor tattoo. The um, the superhero, or just the yeah, the, the superhero, uh, like the Marvel superhero. Okay. Because some I mean, of that, some yeah. of that Norse mythology shit is like uh, white white supremacist symbols and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, well, you do notice that Steve Buscemi's <laughs> character never went to the black people and said, I really want black people to watch. <laughs> That's true. But, yeah, we just kind of dug down, and uh, we realized that part of this band is a white supremacist hate group. Uh, I think it was a white supremacist radio station as well. Um, it was called uh, The Rebel, and they had a couple <laughs> Confederate flags like in their logos and shit like that. That is true, and at one point, Steve Buscemi puts on a Confederate hat with a uh, with go. a Confederate flag on the top. So we did, we got to the bottom <laughs> of that one. He is a racist. Uh, it's a it's an industry secret, but we we're outing him. Yeah, Steve Buscemi, you're canceled. Yep, time's up, buddy. Uh, that's how we use that, right? Yeah, sure. Okay, perfect, perfect, cool. So yeah, so um, let's see where where are we going from here. Of course. Uh, there is a, a blonde woman that works at the radio station. She's uh, particularly, you know, a, an attractive blonde woman uh, who is immediately uh, smitten with the band that is holding them hostage. She is never upset with the fact that they have taken out automatic weapons uh, and held them to everyone's heads. She is completely on board, uh, particularly because of her fondness for Adam Sandler uh, as the character Pip. She seems to just immediately fall in love with him after hitting him in the face with the door. Uh, which is how they actually gain access to the radio station in the first part, first place. Yep, and Adam Sandler is the only one that gets laid in the movie, right? By this, uh, by this blonde woman, and I that's uh, that just seems very typical. When you see an attractive blonde woman pop up, you know that's the woman that Adam Sandler is probably going to end up with in this movie. So, uh, even a movie where he's not the first build star, he's going to be the one that ends up yeah. with the blonde woman. So. Yeah, uh, pretty typical. So, you know, while you say this isn't the uh, the typical Adam Sandler movie, uh, you know, it does have some of those tropes, some of those tropes in there. He does a cool dance at one point. Uh, maybe it's like a like a robot <laughs> dance, uh, which was very Adam Sandler-esque when he, he's, uh, he's going to try to escape the radio station and he goes outside and realizes that there's a cop out there. It's the grandma's boy cop. He is outside uh, and they mirror what they're doing. Every time Adam Sandler takes a step, the cop takes a step. And then back and, and forth and back and forth. And so uh, that was a very Adam Sandler moment. And so so it has its moments there where we can get on board, where those uh, where all of us sand heads can really enjoy uh, enjoy what we're watching. A little sun peeking through the clouds. Absolutely. But uh, but like I say, it's a good movie without without any of that. We could take Adam Sandler out of this and it's still a good movie. It's just a movie we wouldn't have watched. Yeah, that's why this one's like kind of hard to talk about. Like it wasn't uh like super amazing uh, it wasn't like horrible either it's like it's a fine movie it's good um it's 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 better than fine um uh, in my opinion it's great it's a great movie it's a great movie yeah that's right it's got a 21% on rotten tomatoes um that's in my opinion great so uh what did uh going overboard have going overboard had like a, a 12% 12% so 12%. anything that's, uh, that's a little high for that movie solid. I agree with you. I agree. So I think that going overboard was rated too high. It deserved more around like a 5%. And uh, Airheads is too low. Yeah, I, I, I'd agree Airheads with that. Solid 50% movie. Solid 50% movie. Um, We can talk a bit about uh, a couple of the cameos in it. We got uh, Rob Zombie. Oh, Rob Zombie was awesome. Cool. Uh, yeah, White Zombie's playing. And that's uh, when Chris Farley ends up in the mosh pit. Yeah, which was more enjoyable. I really like anytime Chris Farley is doing physical comedy. I really enjoy that. If he's doing physical 
comedy to the dulcet tones of White Zombie uh, even better. Yeah, uh, that was that was a really good part. Uh, shout out to the guy who was like, oh, there's a cop in here. I'm going to push him into the mosh pit. <laughs> <laughs> Which is exactly what you should be doing. Yeah. I absolutely loved that. That was the right attitude. I was surprised they let him in in the first place. I feel like they'd be like, nope, no cops allowed. But everybody was just like, yeah, cool. You're you're welcome in here. The thing about cops is they don't have a lot of authority. Um, (laughs) And so you can push them around and they're not going to shoot you or uh, arrest you or anything like that. No. No. They're very calm. They're very, you know, laid back. Uh, But that actually kind of brings me to one thing that I thought was funny, right? So... So the Lone Rangers are holding these people hostage. They're, they're threatening to kill them. They're making demands, demands for football helmets filled with cottage cheese, naked pictures of B. Arthur, uh, things like that, right? And they're, uh, they don't get these, these things that they're demanding. They're going to kill these hostages. Yet they go outside of the building multiple times, Yeah. right? In, in normal circumstances, I feel that they would have been killed by the police. Yeah, and I think what it's this movie three was saying, guys, three guys with Uzis. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, they walk outside. I think there's a couple of times when they walk outside without their guns. Yeah, and the police are just like, "Yeah, you're fine. You can go back in there." Yeah, Ernie Hudson is just kind of like, oh, "What are you gonna do, right?" And so, uh, so they just kind of let them run wild and and do their thing. And at one point, Brendan Fraser gets on top of a car uh, and starts chanting, "Rodney oh, King, okay. yeah. Rodney Let's King, Rodney King." This was a very interesting part because I did not. I I mean I know that they're like playing off the like fact that they're stupid and like it wasn't really supposed to make sense, but that part really did not uh, make sense. It was funny though, and then the, uh, the whole crowd started chanting Rodney King, um, which is amazing. Next time you're in front of a large crowd, start chanting Rodney King and get everybody to join in with you. Because that is a moment. That is amazing. No, so, so what I thought, what I got out of it is they can't hurt us because of what they did to Rodney King. Like, they can't just keep hurting yeah. people. But my thought on it was you're like a suburban white guy. Like, they could yeah. beat you up and no one would care because you're a douchebag. Like, you were literally holding people hostage. Yeah. You're not just driving down the highway and then being beaten exactly. for no reason. And you the- were, go- like, threatening to murder people. <laughs> And the thing about cops is they also uh, like to admit when they're wrong. They always know when they've fucked up and when they uh, beat someone or killed them when they weren't supposed to. They always uh, are good about that. So when they start and they chanting, learn from their mistakes. Yeah. So when they start chanting they, Rodney <laughs> King, they're like, oh, yeah, the, we did fuck up there. Um, Absolutely. Um, we, we learned we're not going to make that mistake again. And you know what? In the past 20 years, they have not made that mistake again. No. So you know what? Good good on you, cops. Great, yeah. great work. We, really, yeah. we appreciate you learning. That's amazing. Um, when, when they kill someone uh, who's just uh, standing around hanging out, um, they don't double down. They don't take it as a personal attack if you say, hey, maybe uh, that guy shouldn't have shot that guy in the face for no reason. Um, usually they're good about saying, uh, when they're wrong and stuff like that. So that's cool. Um, absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, and you know, we do have to take into consideration that, uh, that these men and women are putting their lives on the line every day. Yeah. Blue lives matter. Um, <laughs> oh man. So I'm, uh, I, I think that, uh, after a lot of the comments that I've had on here, I'm, I'm really coming off as the likable one. Yeah. Right. Sure. Yeah. As someone has okay, to. Okay, cool. 
somebody's got to out of us. Um, also, during the Rodney King part, um, the um, uh, the guy in the movie, he's a black guy. Adam Sandler keeps like trying to get him to like him and like keep being like, oh, I'm, I'm cool, man. I'm a cool white guy. Uh, um, he, says, he, is. he says, why are they chanting Rodney King? And then Adam Sandler, was that Adam Sandler or Steve Buscemi? That's I think it was Adam Sandler. Then yeah, Adam, Adam Sandler, Sandler, yeah, Adam Sandler says, "Oh, that was that guy," and that's all he said. <laughs> that was that guy. <laughs> oh, so so perfect, and that's kind of what I was thinking. I was like, "Oh yeah, Rodney King, that was that guy." That so guy. That was, uh, that's that's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> of course, we're gonna, you just usually chant that guy's name. Uh, so that was that was awesome. Uh, earlier on in the movie, uh, one of the, the, the radio DJ, uh, Joe Montaigne, uh, better known as uh, one of the characters from The Simpsons, one of them, you know, one of many. Uh, he's, he's the radio DJ, and uh, he asks them what kind of music they play. And they're going through, they're talking about they play thrash, and, and they, they can play kind of whatever. They, they, they have a lot of different genres. But then they come to the conclusion that their genre is power slop. Have you, have you heard of this? Have you been listening to a lot of power slop? I tried to get into it. It's not for me. I, I I'm gonna be honest with you here. Power Slop was new to me. I've uh, I I I think of myself as pretty pretty well versed in music. Uh, I know power violence, uh, yeah. power pop, uh, power metal even. But Power Slop was new. I haven't heard Slop. I've heard Sludge. So maybe Power Sludge. But I hadn't heard the Slop genre. So I think I'm gonna have to get a little bit in, more into that if that's what the the Lone Rangers are. Uh, to me, they sounded kind of like, uh, well, you know what? I can tell you exactly what they sounded like. They sounded like Reagan Youth uh, because the song that they did was a Reagan Youth uh, cover song. So they sounded like a punk rock band to me. Yeah, there was a, that's the thing with a, like, uh, a lot of movies that try to like do any sort of subculture thing is like it never really like makes any sense. Like they're, they're like, rocker dudes but they're playing like a punk rock song and like the fucking white zombie is playing and that's like not even like none of it is really consistent uh that's not like really a problem with this movie specifically like it's just a common thing yeah that's just how movies. how movies typically are like when you and, and I, I wouldn't even say 90s like, movies. oh, oh you're you're a weirdo you listen to that weirdo music here's some of that weirdo music right anybody with a leather jacket listens to white zombie that's pretty obvious yeah. <laughs> and uh, white zombie and Reagan youth are the same. Yeah. Uh, so what interesting fact about white zombie, uh, initially they were supposed to be cannibal corpse. Oh, that's yeah. So that would have been a little, I think that would have been interesting. That would have been a different, different show, uh, cannibal corpse, uh, instead of white zombie. So cannibal corpse, uh, they, they opted against using cannibal corpse because they had been in Ace Ventura yeah. at the time. Uh, that was, uh, Ace Ventura's favorite band was Cannibal Corpse, so yeah, the, they, they decided to use White Zombie instead. The um the Chris Farley part actually did remind me of that. Uh, here's a part uh from the movie. Um, <laughs> that's kind of what we're doing. We'll just talk about our uh our parts we liked. Um, there's a part where um people find out uh that uh Brendan Fraser likes Dungeons and Dragons, and that's a uh, nerdy shit. Um, and so at first you're like, oh man, everyone's going to think he's a nerd. And some guy's going to lose his girlfriend again. Yeah. Uh, and then this guy goes, no, dungeon, dungeon, eh. 
Dungeons and Dragons is cool. Um, that's that's not for nerds. And then everyone like goes around kind of like saying what made them a nerd in high school or whatever. Uh, there's a cameo from Lemmy from Motorhead. And he says, I used to be in the newspaper. Um, and then a guy goes, I used to masturbate constantly. <laughs> and then everyone starts booing. And then a couple people start beating him up. <laughs> I thought that was cool. <laughs> well, it's it's unacceptable. That is just not an acceptable behavior, even for a nerd. Yeah. Uh, but but in all reality, yeah, I didn't. I I thought that was a that was a strange decision. <laughs> I was like, that's not. That's fine, dude. <laughs> <laughs> no big deal, man. Like who who isn't doing that? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> if anything, it would get at least like, oh. But everyone booed and beat him up. <laughs> Or even like a oh, like we feel we feel bad for you, but, right. uh, but no, yeah. Uh, so that once again, after your af- next time you're in front of a large crowd, after the Rodney King chant, say I used to masturbate constantly, <laughs> and see what happens at that point. Because you're already you have them on their side for the Rodney King chant. They they all like you, they all love you. See what happens when they all turn against you. Because uh, that that'll be interesting. That's an interesting. Uh, it's a little different. So yeah, so what else about this movie? What else do we have here? We've gone through pretty much most of it. It was pretty uh it's a, it's a fine movie. There's not to really nitpick about it. Uh we've talked about the minor little plot holes like the fact that they attempt to get in the door using a credit card, which I guess isn't really a plot hole because it doesn't work. So, yeah, I mean that. there is a lot of plot holes with the whole police thing and they didn't really get in any trouble. Um, for it, they went to prison, but they were allowed to uh, play music in the prison, and also they were only going to be in there for six months. Yeah, typically when you hold people hostage and uh, threaten to murder them and uh, destroy an entire radio station, that's usually about a six-month offense, right? Yeah, and usually people will sign you um, as you're holding people hostage. They'll give you a record deal. Then they'll set up. They did. They stage. did reference actually. I, I believe uh, it was the it was Breakfast Club who said, uh, "Hey, uh, Vince Neil murdered somebody, and he only spent like nine months in jail." And that's true. He he really did do that. It was like a drunk driving accident or something, and and uh, one of the people in the car with him died. So so maybe they're onto something. All right, let's uh let's go back. I, I think I, I interrupted you here. Uh, what other cameos did you catch in this movie? Uh, I was Lemmy. I brought it back up. Uh... When we're talking about the nerd stuff. So there's a big one that I that I liked. Uh, this was probably one of my favorite parts of the movie. It's when uh, Beavis and Butthead call in. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and they, they tell the Lone Rangers that they suck. And they think they're real people. Uh, the DJ, the radio host, thinks they're real people, and so do the guys in the band, and they get really offended <laughs> when Beavis <laughs> and Butthead says they suck. Um, I think in the context of the movie, Beavis and Butthead are real people. I don't know. I don't. You know, think that they were so. supposed to be Mike Judge calling in and just being like, oh, "I'll prank these losers." Um, I yeah, because it was such yeah something like that because it was like such a cultural uh, phenomenon that they were like, like everybody. This was like the OJ stuff. This was nine eleven. Everybody's like was glued to the TV um, about this for, uh, for the the Lone Rangers uh, terrorist attack. Yeah, and they were terrorists, um, which is cool. Um, 
Call them terrorists, please. <laughs> you were terrorists. I know we established know. in the previous previous episode yeah, that your name were. has to be Ahmed to be a terrorist, but I'm convinced actually, that the Lone Rangers were terrorists. It doesn't actually have to be. We've changed our minds. Your name can be Pip. Your name can be Pip. You can be a Jewish boy from Brooklyn, and you can be a terrorist. Believe yeah. it or not. Believe it or not. Yeah. So that, there's a message to all the kids out there. I'm coming around. But I'm going to get those people on my side after all. If You'll you want to, if you want to be a terrorist, and you think you don't have what it takes, you do. <laughs> you just look at Adam Sandler. He did it, and if he can do it, so can you. But yeah, I figured it was like since it was such like a cultural like moment that like, uh, they did. They it's had it's their just like the the, the time that, that Mike so. Judge called into the OJ trial or the Menendez trial. Yeah, like Mike Judge calls in and Beavis and Button, and he's just like, "Hey, OJ, I saw you on the field, and you sucked." Nice. That's yeah. my that's my Beavis and Button impression. <laughs> that was really good. Thanks. Hey, thanks. I've been working on it. <laughs> All right. So, um. Man, I feel like uh, I feel like that's that's pretty much the whole movie. We we probably missed something. Um, yeah, I mean that's a very general uh, rundown of it. I'm pretty sure. Um, they hold up a radio station. Uh, they don't get in that much trouble for it, and everyone likes them at the end. People finally hear um, their music. Oh, I do. There is one part. Um. So uh, towards the end, um, the whole time Brendan Fraser is really like, he just wants his music to get heard. That's all he cares about. He's not backing down. He's not fucking leaving until they get to play their tape. A couple things happen to make it where he can't play play his tape. Get smashed one time. His girlfriend has the only other copy. Uh, She finally gets it to him and then... Uh, she throws a chair at him <laughs> through, through some glass and then the chair uh, destroys the PA and then so he can't play it finally after he gets the second tape uh, so they get a stage set up um, outside where everyone's like hanging out uh, watching what's going on and um, it's after they're signed and the record uh, executive wants them to lip sync to the music so they could do uh, as you do video. in a music video right and that's that, that and that's, that's pretty common too. practice even for a rock band yeah. yeah um and he's like no man i'm not doing that shit i fucking came into a radio station with fake guns and held people hostage and um did a bunch of other shit and i'll do all that to get my song played and to be famous but what i won't do is lip sync for a music <laughs> I have my video. integrity man <laughs> yeah well, it's good. I, I like that. I like that rock star mentality. Uh, I completely agree with him. Lip syncing is lame. He's not Millie Vanilli. I think he even says at one point <laughs> that he's not Millie Vanilli. I'm sure. Uh, and is. I respect that. I respect that a lot. Uh, that actually brings me to something I took a note on, you know, talking about when his girlfriend's bringing him the tape to the radio station. Uh, at one point, she's driving down the road. The music starts playing and she realizes that it's his tape that had been in the tape deck, which makes her mad because at this time, at this point in the movie, she's not a big fan of Brendan Fraser's character. So she takes the, takes the tape out on the highway, throws it out the window onto the ground where it is then proceeded to be pretty much run over, peed on by a dog, just Chomped really by just a low rider. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and then, then she learns that he needs that tape. So she goes back to the exact point 
where she threw the tape out the window, <laughs> which blew my mind. Like I, I could oh, yeah. be thinking like, I'm going to come back for this later. Driving down the highway, threw something out the window. I would have no idea where uh, that was. As I would never be able to find well. it again. Yeah, but it blends in with the asphalt. No, it, it was gone forever. So I know that it's kind of a, a nitpicky uh, plot hole, but that, that blew my mind. The second she went right. back there, I was like, no. Nope, that took me out of this movie. Everything about this movie was believable except for the white terrorists, uh, and uh, and that just really took me out of it. If I threw anything out of my car, I'm pretty sure I would not go back for it. I'd be like, yeah, there's no way it's there. Um, and <laughs> it's gone now. Yeah, I'll never no see it again. I, no way I would find it. Um. So. So yeah. So. I think that's just about uh just about everything. So so what's your verdict? If if you were talking to somebody and they said, "Hey, this movie Airheads is on. They're flipping through the TV and it just happens to be on." Uh what do you recommend? Should should they watch it? I recommend they listen to our podcast. Um but so then I would just say, "Yeah, watch it and then listen to our podcast." <laughs> I, I but, do think that the last time though you said don't watch Going Overboard, yeah, but still no, this listen. Is, yeah, this is. I would say watch it. Yeah, go for it. Um, okay, it's, it's it's a good movie. I agree. I completely agree. I think that if you haven't seen it yet, go ahead and uh, go ahead and catch that one. It's uh, it's a hidden hidden gem, hidden Adam Adam Sandler gem. So, uh, cool. Well, next week we've got uh, of course Billy Madison, the the big one. So. Yeah. It's really, it's really like we're starting all over again. This is the real, the real start of Adam Sandler's career, uh, and we're gonna, we're gonna run through that one. There's a, you know, a lot of, a lot of people to talk about, a lot of people that we're gonna be introducing uh, for the Sandler verse. Uh, you already so met Grandma's boy. Yep, yep, you've met him, and and you're gonna meet him again. But we're gonna introduce some really, uh, some big names, some big names to this whole world that we're gonna be seeing time and time again. So. So do, uh, you know, if you haven't already seen Billy Madison, that's kind of weird. I'm trying to think of who I know that has never seen that movie. I think just about everyone has. Yeah. Uh, you've seen it, right? Yeah, of course. Of course. Of course. So uh, we're going to watch it again, though, just to, to refresh, you know, to remember all the, the subtle nuances which Adam Sandler is known for. Uh, and uh, so, so uh, yeah, he's very, very subtle, very subtle comedy, very dry. Um. So yeah, you can catch that one. Uh, it's not streaming anywhere, so you can rent it. That would be weird to do. You probably have it on like a DVD somewhere, um, like in a closet or something like that. Maybe even on VHS. You dust off that VCR, pop in that Billy Madison VHS, and uh, and enjoy it with us. Um, so cool. Is there anything else that you want to add in there, Ibrahim? Uh, I don't think so. Well, with that said, for Ibrahim Flynn, this is Hunter Baldwin saying, smell you later, poopsicle. Peace out. <laughs>